iRobot. I wanted to t- I wanted to like mention it once today. Well, there we go. And even though we're not talking about iRobot, it's nice to see the parallels. True. We are talking about Wally today. <laughs> Thanks for the the clarification. Yeah, almost. I mean, you got the double letters, you got the A, you got the E sound at the end. <laughs> <laughs> they're practically the same thing they're basically the same i i think they must have paid some royalties to pixar for this one yeah it's like wally meets the dark knight <laughs> that's like oh what a great description wally meets the dark knight do you think like if you pitch that to a, a studio executive like do you think Chappie would be the first thing to come to mind I don't know what that question means. <laughs> yes. Are you pleading the fifth on <laughs> your suggestion that Chappie <laughs> is like Wally meets the Dark Knight? <laughs> I'm saying that if you pitched it to uh, yeah, like a producer, a film executive, I think they might not have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I guess like I would kind of just... First thing I would picture is Wally with Joker makeup on. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be like the next version of the Joker that we see. Oh, yeah. Well, anything is better than Jared Leto's, maybe. You know, I'd go for it. Welcome to Psi Minus Phi, a movie club for science nerds and science club for movie nerds. I'm your host, Christopher Stern. And I'm Nathan Yim. We like to talk about all things sci-fi. Every episode, we explore a new science fiction movie and get into discussion about the science concepts present in the film. Yeah, we do. So what are we talking about today? Yeah, today we are talking about Chappie, the 2015 film directed by Neil Blomkamp. All right, so what else has Neil Blomkamp done? Uh, You might remember him i think he's most known for district nine ah uh, yeah also in south africa yes yeah uh, that movie kind of blew my mind i think when i first saw it yep but uh yeah this movie i think shares some similarities to uh his first uh first feature film and yeah i think i'm excited to talk about it today well so so tell me what uh what chappie is about uh so chappie follows software developer dion wilson played mm-hmm. by Dev Patel, who works for Tetraval, a company that builds robotics for law enforcement. Dion developed a humanoid robot powered by AI that successfully helps police fight crime in Johannesburg, South Africa. Ooh. Dion's co-worker Vincent Moore, played by Hugh Jackman, is jealous of the project as his own human-controlled armored tank project is slowly being defunded. Uh, that being said, Dion is highly interested in AI and in his spare time works to uh, develop he wants to create like a conscious mind in a program. Mm, and one he's night... just doing this at home? Yep, exactly. Oh, and one night he actually thinks he's cracked it. So he goes to his boss and he wants to test out his program on one of the company's robots. But his boss, Michelle Bradley, played by Sigourney Weaver, declines the request, mm. saying it's not worth it. Yep. It'll tank the stock or something. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I believe her reasoning was, we're like a, a police robot company. What possible use could we have for a conscious, like, AI? Yeah. You want an AI that can write poetry? That's not going to help the police. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So after this denial, Dion steals one of the broken robots uh, so that he can upload it himself. But on the other side of the city, we have these gangsters, Ninja, Yolandi, and America. Uh, They've recently lost money on a job thanks to the police robots that are patrolling the city. Mm, and so they have to gather uh, i think it was two million rand in a week or else they'll be essentially killed so they kidnap dion because they're like oh he could turn off the robots and then we'll be able to pull off a heist and get the money we need yep but dion's like it's not possible so they search his van and they find one the stolen robot and instead they're like oh you should program this robot for us to do heists and he's like well i got this consciousness program so (laughs) I can upload that and see if it works. And as long as you let me come and teach the robot, then, then yeah, I'll, I guess you can have it. Uh, so they agree. But when the robot is born, it starts with the mind of a baby. And Ninja is just like, what am I supposed to do with a baby? Yeah. Uh, Babies can't rob banks and stuff. No, not at all. So Yolandi and Dion are like, 
I guess we'll teach it about the world and do all this stuff. And Yolandi ends up naming the robot Chappie. So, Why did she name it Chappie again? Uh, Happy Chappie. I oh, think, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I look, there's like a brand or something that is called Chappie. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. Or some sort of saying, but yeah, he just named it, and Dion was like, nah, but it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Chappie's growing up, and he's caught between Dion's lessons of like art, creativity, and knowledge, Ninja's hyper-aggressive gangster lifestyle, mm-hmm. and then Yolandi's tender love and care. He's kind of being pulled between all these things. And eventually, after some hard life lessons from Ninja, Chappie finds out that his battery is going to die in a few days after he's learned so much. And therefore, Chappie will be no more and it will die. So he's like, I got to find a way to transfer my consciousness into a new body so I can live forever. Man. And like, if you're asking yourself, why didn't he just swap out the battery? It's because when the robot was damaged, the battery got melded to his... I don't know, exoskeleton, skeleton. Yeah, his chassis, robotic. his body. Yeah, his chassis, and so that's that's why, uh, you know, he's on the, he's on a time limit. Yeah. So yeah, I got to figure out how to transfer his consciousness. But back at Tetraval, I mentioned Vincent Moore. He's all jealous. Yep. He tracks down Dion and discovers Chappie, and he's kind of a religious dude and thinks that Chappie is an abomination. So he's like, I got to expose this creation, and Dion will be fired. But I also have to get my project back in, like, back in uh, motion. And so I'm going to sabotage Dion's project and kind of shut down all these robots remotely. And unleash hell upon (laughs) the entire city. Exactly. When he does that, the city erupts in chaos and everyone, like Chappie, Dion, Yolanti, Ninja in America, are put in danger. That doesn't seem like a very well thought out plan, if I do say so myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I was going to say that with, is Johannesburg really so dangerous that it's on the brink of pretty much total <laughs> anarchy? Yeah, if you if you, if the police fell asleep at the same time for five minutes, anarchy, anarchy, <laughs> fires everywhere, robberies everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it seemed a little, a little crazy, but uh, yeah, this film talking about the militarization of the police essentially and yeah. um, using robots to help in that kind of war on crime that's I, the whole reason it exists it was interesting to me when hugh jackman uh the greatest programmer maybe i, I will call him um he's really trying to get his project moose is what the, he calls it uh to be like greenlit but to me like as a pm it just seems like he really doesn't understand the requirements of like his customer because he's like we built all this insanely cool stuff and they're like, we can't use this at all. And then he's like, no, you're going to use it, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's got like anti-aircraft missiles. It's like, this is Johannesburg. You think <laughs> our criminals have like helicopters and drones? <laughs> and it's like, to prove his point that they do need it, he creates the situation that will like require it. So it still doesn't really prove his point. On that note, I guess his character, we know he's ex-military. Yeah. So he's very much building for a different, in his mind, a different purpose. He's pretty much building it for war, not yeah. realize, not realizing that the police force doesn't need such a high armored <laughs> um, attack kind of tank. What, what, on that note, another thing that didn't really make sense to me was why like Tetraval continued to fund this project, even though it clearly was not going anywhere. Yeah, it, like if they're only customer... Are, is the Johannesburg police force? You'd think that they would have tried to branch out. Like, why not bring in a military? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I'm sure the U.S. military would be down to to fund that or buy get that. some anti-aircraft. Yeah, for sure. Who wouldn't want that? But uh, yeah, I guess talking about the film. Yes. Let's just kind of. What are your general thoughts about it? General thoughts about the film. I mean, I I thought it was uh, it was neat. I, I thought it, like the style was cool. I, I kind of liked how it was, you know, similar to District Nine, that kind of mockumentary style. It injected the sense of realism into it. It's like, oh, like uh, this. This feels like it takes place in like a a real-ish sort of world, um, which is actually like now that I think about, kind of interesting. Because didn't they use like full CGI for Chappie or something like that? Pretty much. Like I think uh, the actor Charlto Copley. 
who played Chappie, he acted in place, and then they had to essentially yeah, paint him out and in VFX build Chappie. Mm. And yeah, the design of the robot is something yeah very realistic, something you feel or I feel you might see out of Boston Dynamics or the right. current robotics company. Um, um, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but when it comes to like uh, computer generated like animations, it seems to me like it, it's a lot easier to make something look realistic when it's only made of like rigid parts because you know we understand exactly how how light reflects and refracts off of met- metallic surfaces and and stuff like that but if if there was like a human face i feel like it might uh it might not look as good definitely i think because it is kind of a metal uh fixed structure it's a bit easier cuz you can create the material you don't have the bending in skin uh the light kind of bounces off it the same way all the time. Yeah. Uh, compared to how you get all the weird ways light interacts with, uh, with fluids and more malleable surfaces. Okay. So. I, yeah. I was just sorry. That was that was a bit of a tangent, but uh, something that I, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say another thing uh, about the style of the film or the art style was that um, it really felt like the world that was portrayed uh, in this movie was like very gray or drab, but there was like these big flashes of color in it. And so like even the gang members, their guns were like bright yellow or bright pink and Chappie was like blue and he had gold bling and he had like an orange ear and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of a nice contrast to to show that these like very colorful characters were, were you know, stirring up something in this in this kind of militarized world. Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, the Tetraval is sort of this beige gray, nothing too colorful. Uh, but then, yeah, you, you see the gangster lifestyle, or and there you get kind of those bright, bright colors popping through. Yeah. Um, and yeah, circling back just a bit to that documentary style, um, I think you're exactly right. It gives you that sense of realism. Like, the opening shots are a supposed documentary essentially where it's like oh yeah this was kind of inevitable chappie's existence was only a matter of time like it really given our familiarity with documentaries and what we see nowadays like it's something that really makes you kind of go oh yeah i guess this is real and then allows you to believe everything you're about to see once it gets a bit kind of crazier more stylistic yeah they they even had a shot of anderson cooper like talking about the robots yeah and because he was talking i think about just johannesburg police or south african police behind all the robots right i think so i don't remember exactly what uh, what he was saying but uh that, that sounds about right what, what did you think about the film kind of all up uh i think yeah same points where kudos to like the vfx team for uh making chappie look so real fitting him in perfectly uh realism in the style of how it's filmed with the documentary opening i think the flow, it's a bit slow. I think there's a lot of stuff packed into that first hour before too mm. much action happens. So, right, you have the conflict between Dion and Vincent. You have Dion building the AI and then, like, the gangster's backstory and why they need to pay Hippo. And then we have to watch Chappie grow. And even though he grows quickly, like, uh, kind of his fights with um, with Ninja, I think it's then when he's finally almost like a late teenager in <laughs> mental age. Yep that's kind of halfway through the film and there's just been so much, but it kind of drags on a bit. But then I think by the end you see, uh, it picks up, you get that momentum building and it kind of, it does pay off in the end. It's quite satisfying to see. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a good, uh, kind of overview. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was going to say that I did have kind of a pet peeve with, with this movie. Uh, and what that's that? that, and this is like, this goes for all movies that I watch, but one of my pet peeves is, when there's like <laughs> when there's dumb characters making dumb decisions and uh i think that a lot of characters made <laughs> dumb decisions in this movie which kind of um took me out of it a little bit um like for example you know dion when he makes uh the ai on his computer it wasn't clear to me like why he had to load it onto like a military robot why he couldn't just you know buy a furby and like <laughs> test it on that first and so that kind of kicks off the entire chain of events of the movie and like gets him into deep shit with uh, with Tetraval as well and the CEO. Um, I think we talked a little bit about this before, but also like why the CEO of this robotics company doesn't see any value in like an AI uh, that's so sophisticated. Right. Um, like if you were to create an AI like that, 
it could learn anything, like how to build robots, including yeah. military robots and police robots. And yeah, that yeah, would be groundbreaking. Could... <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of like the fear, what could go wrong, like, um, if you did this. But yeah, if you don't see that as the CEO or the head of the company, yeah. Should you really be head of the company? I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, these these are just little things. But um wanted to wanted to mention them. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I think Vincent Moore is kind of the funniest character, even though he's like <laughs> a little dumb um in terms of his actions. Like Oh yeah. He's just so aggressive. He's like, like he... he's... <laughs> Oh, sorry, go go ahead. It's just like he's played on a whole nother level and <laughs> I love the scene where he threatens Dion in the middle of the office with his yeah, gun. Yeah, with a gun. And then, <laughs> I was going to mention that. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh, it's not even loaded. Like, you think I'd bring a loaded gun to the office? That shit's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine everyone being like, I oh, got us. Like, yeah, that, that's silly me. Yeah. Like, no one's going to file harassment complaint about that. <laughs> and it's like, even though the gun wasn't loaded, he's still like, pinned him to his desk for a solid like minute and had the gun like up to his his head I, yeah like <laughs> it's just so crazy i can't believe someone would do that but it's so funny too um, <laughs> and then this small little thing i rewatched it last night just to uh refresh my memory but i noticed in the bathroom at work he has a little section cordoned off between the sinks where there's like all this like protein powder, post-workout, pre-workout, <laughs> all this stuff has like uh, Vincent's like property do not touch. I'm like, oh, that's so this funny. guy's, this is, he would exist for real. Like that's a thing someone must do. <laughs> <laughs> Just like super overly alpha, like must yeah. dominate the office workplace. Yeah. And uh, bringing up his aggression, I almost felt that afterwards thinking about it vincent and ninja kind of play the same role in oh, yeah. a way where like they're both these hyper aggressive guys they're even somewhat religious like vincent jokes like after that whole gun thing like oh church sunday anytime you want and ninja <laughs> uh he like does the sign of the cross as he goes to pick up his yellow gun but oh. before like the big climactic scene yeah so it's like they're almost the same character i wonder if there was a way you could have written this where they are the same person Maybe kind of get rid of that gangster storyline, right. but have Vincent maybe need to pay gambling debt. And then uh, you can kind of get to the same end point with yeah. like, yeah, this giant battle. He still wants to, obviously he'd be scared of losing his job because he has this gambling debt that he needs to pay off. So like maybe there was a different way to kind of do that's the same thing, but tighten it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That that sounds fun. Like I, I would definitely be interested to, to see like what that version would have come out like vincent but, uh, yeah was there anything you pulled out of the film theme wise that was particularly interesting or anything else you want to mention well i, I mean i i think we we covered a lot of um kind of that that toxic masculinity uh feels like a big one just like raising someone right um you know there, there's a whole part about i guess this this was kind of throughout the entire movie where the gangsters were essentially lying to chappy to get him to to do stuff for them and to help them rob like uh, cars and and people, um, so I guess it's like manipulation and uh, and how that uh, you know it 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 changes the behavior and uh, of people and especially of the youth the youths <laughs> right and I guess when we're talking about training AI, it's sort of that bias or how you train an AI, the definitions you provide for it will affect the outcomes. If Chappie was told and was yep. promised, I won't do crime i won't break the law but then you have other people saying oh no this isn't breaking the law this is like you're still you're taking the car back because it was stolen from me and he doesn't know any better um, or yeah. chappy doesn't know any better than yeah that ai is going to differentiate the two things and gonna say this is allowed and this isn't and i i think that's a great parallel to like using like training sets uh, of data for ml in the real world it's uh you know those training sets are most of the time curated and and fed into the the machine learning algorithm by humans and so there's going to be some level of bias in them which will affect how the ai actually behaves i think um another theme that popped out uh from this movie is obviously kind of um death and uh coming to coming to terms with with death and on the flip side of that of life and like what it means to be alive and uh you know just because chappie's got this artificial brain um 
you know, does it does it make him any less of a of a person with rights? Exactly. He Chappie definitely grapples with kind of those questions and uh we have those questions I think in religion of like why were we made to die essentially and yeah, yeah Chappie in his or in its short life it has to think of like oh well why was I made if I was going to die and um, my maker couldn't have made that mistake or something so there must be yeah. a purpose to this what is my purpose <laughs> you pass butter <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> greatest joke <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was a uh, just real quick before we get into the science. Yeah. Uh, there's the one iRobot uh, reference that I wanted to to call it, which I don't know if it's a direct reference to iRobot, but when Chappie is painting the car, it's like the way that he draws is very like uh, very much like a a computer printer, and it's kind of like just a series of horizontal lines down the page until it's done. And I believe that in iRobot, Sonny does like the exact same thing, Sonny the robot, as he's like remembering a dream that he had, and he just kind of like draws it like that. And I think that's like such a clever way to to show that even though Chappie is a is a is a you know quote unquote living thinking being, it still is physically different, and the the processes by by which it uh, it it has information coming in and out of it uh, is different than like a human brain. Definitely. Yeah, like, yeah, it's totally conscious it's a person, but it has its own way of perceiving the world and, um, and yeah, I guess, outputting things into the world. It, it reminds me of, and like, I'm totally not going to get this quote right, <laughs> but it's like, you know, if, uh, if you had asked, uh, oh, man, no, I'm going to butcher this, essentially saying like, you know, what's better than like a horse that runs fast? Is it like a horse that runs really fast or is it a car? And like a car can go do this, you know, for, for a, a subset of tasks, do the same thing, but much better, even though it doesn't operate on the same principles. Definitely. And yeah, that's a cool point to, to talk about. And I think it brings us right into talking about AI consciousness and, and robotics, which I think are kind of the themes and science concepts we're going to discuss today. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into it. Awesome. Uh, I guess to start, um, I'll go ahead and in the world, we always talk about technological advance usually being propelled by war. And yeah, I guess this kind of starts off the huge technological advancement, this technological leap that humanity is taking in creating like a conscious, uh, conscious being, right? Yeah. Um, so it's cool that I guess they did that. Um, it's and, and that's that's kind of why, like, I was so blown away that the CEO was like, ah. Eh. It's like we don't need that because that is like such a breakthrough and it's it's something that uh we're still striving for in today's society you know getting better and better ai um I, there's this concept of um general ai versus narrow ai general ai is kind of what is portrayed in this film with chappie where it's like there's a thing that can learn all these different things and essentially learn about anything or do anything Whereas narrow AI is kind of more what we have in, in real life today, which is like AI that's designed for a specific task or like to optimize a specific feature. Um, and, and it does that really well through like artificial intelligence methods. But um, I think there, there still is a big gap between where we are now and like getting to that general AI. But that is like groundbreaking because once you have that, you know, you can solve virtually every problem. Right. Uh, like right now we have narrow AI and almost, I think you could probably name almost any field and there's an AI involved, whether it's like uh, machine learning algorithms like on the stock market yeah. or robotics. You have general atomics or Boston Dynamics in the U.S. making uh, military robots as well as like robots for um, automating in, I think, like the car industry and yeah. putting, uh, putting vehicles together. Uh, you have AI and visual effects and things like... Um, deep fakes right you have an ai a machine learning algorithm training itself for this specific narrow task yeah um, and so yeah chappie initially starts as that narrow ai and we are police robots and we we see that um in terms of how they view the world i think they show the point of view every so often and yeah um, they have those like oh this is a target apprehend uh, it has like the few commands it needs to know but yeah general ai is a huge gap because we don't necessarily know what it means or to be conscious right yeah um, or how to create I, I, that I, that that also brings me to another kind of observation of 
there's a contrast between where we are right now in in society and like how AI is usually portrayed in sci-fi. So like in Chappie, it's kind of like this AI can only exist in this robotic shell or like this physical form. But you were mentioning how it's it's already um, involved in all these different fields and and uh, and areas of our lives. You know, stock market, like optimizing enterprise software. You know, this and that. And really, like AI doesn't need a body, which is uh, really interesting. And I think um, it's getting to the point of ubiquity in our society because we don't really see it with our eyes on day to day. Like you don't walk outside and see the AI robots walking around, but don't let that fool you because there is AI everywhere. It's on the internet. It's in your pocket. It's like probably went into the the clothes that you're you're wearing in some way. Yeah, aren't they using AI to figure out how like proteins fold? Yeah, uh, and that's kind of helping us create. Fold. Um, yeah, that's helping us create vaccines and new new treatments, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and you brought that up when talking about the film itself. Like, why does the AI need a shell essentially to live in. If he has a program, could he not run it on his computer? Just yeah. like a Python script kind of, <laughs> and then he just has this <laughs> conscious thing living. living I guess like maybe window. if I were to defend the film, I would just say that like the, the chappy robots or like the military robots just had like really good GPUs or something <laughs> and like were powerful enough to run his program. Yeah. Oh man. And they look cool. I mean, and they look cool, yeah. If you have the yeah gangster number one robot, like <laughs> who doesn't want to see that? I um, we were talking about one of the themes being uh, life and death, coming to grips with your your own mortality. But I, I think before that, even you have to you have to really define what life means or like what living is. You know, where's the line that separates living and non living beings? Um, what what is your opinion on like on Chappie? Would would you say that he's alive? I would. I I think my mentality is kind of very Turing test like. If if it thinks it's real and can convince you that it is real or that it's alive, that it has like all these desires, um, then to me it's no different than another person. And we've talked about this before with you can't measure consciousness yeah. and so because it's immeasurable like all you really have is the word of um of whatever you're talking to yeah so yeah i know in the movie there vincent's like your ai programming makes you think you're real mm. i'm like well i know but what makes <laughs> us any yeah more yeah, yeah. real like is it not our dna programming that makes us think we're these like real creatures so yeah i i agree with that I, i'd say that um i would also come at it from a different kind of angle which is I, I personally believe that, you know, the the structure of our brain and our processes that, that allow us to live are, are still grounded in, in physical processes and, you know, chemical reactions, which are governed by, you know, physical forces um, down at the atomic or, or subatomic level. And so I feel like similarly to a machine, you know, it's really just a, a set of rules with you know some variability, but not something that we necessarily... Um, can can say is is any more valid than another and so yeah i i would also say that chappie is uh is alive in this but it also kind of even if you can say that he is alive it kind of begs the question like um at what level of complexity do you say that something is alive or not right like i was watching on the screen they kind of show how consciousness is built in dion's mind like he has these different components where it's like, oh, it has emotion, speech, volition, motor, senses, knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And then this bootstrap program, I guess that is maybe the, the framework. But some combination of these things will spontaneously create consciousness. But yeah, what level? I mean, maybe that's the real key. And that's sort of what Vincent is saying, where you haven't met that threshold. Because, um, yeah, I think what many animals and probably have some level of the the same... Uh, the same framework we have, right? The same consciousness we have. They have yep. uh, just not to the same extent, but they have the same, I guess, components, right? Working together. Yeah. And so, and even kind of going beyond that, if you want to look at like a huge macro system, humans themselves could be nodes. And on a global scale, how we interact with each other and may are like our volition or something like 
our desires to stay alive as humanity together we're able to do stuff you could kind of say that maybe there's a consciousness there but yeah that's kind of something we don't understand i love that so. idea that collectively we we are literally in like a physical literal sense we we can make up a single consciousness and if, if you buy into that you also have to buy into the idea that you know our entire galaxy or an entire universe is really like a single living breathing consciousness in a way yeah but yeah who are we to i guess draw the line in certain things yeah. um i guess we have to if we're maybe meat eaters and we say it's not okay to yeah kill another person because that's taking a life but yeah. um killing certain animals that is deemed as perfectly fine uh because they are sort of lesser like quote lesser unquote right. than us um in terms of consciousness or um, yeah brain power whatever that's but, a great point and well e even then it's like um if it's if it's not okay is it okay to eat plants yeah i mean we know that there are ways that plants communicate it's kind of crazy and it's just we don't see it on the same scale as and same speed as us yeah as ourselves but, very yeah. interesting oh yeah i love yeah again like the idea of consciousness and what it is in the movie right he has like all these components and it's some mixture of these uh you were mentioning it's more we have kind of maybe i guess like how the brain works you have a bunch of nodes in our brain neurons and the way they fire off then it's like this emergent phenomenon of the complex system mm -hmm. and uh like that's the part that really intrigues me right yeah every complex system has emergent phenomena whether you talk about a flock of birds they're called like murmurations where they're flying and one bird sets up a chain reaction to like have the whole flock kind of change directions and uh, they can kind of flutter around and create like almost an artistic dance, but you could never predict that, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I think it's reasonable to assume that like from an AI, the emergent, uh, I guess, may, maybe not behaviors, but emotions that, that come from the, the complex interactions of its its nodes and its you know brain um, would be different than a human's. So even though it might have the same inputs and outputs and chappy to us might might seem very human-like, the way that Chappie itself experiences the world might be vastly different, but we just, you know, can't understand or can't comprehend what that would feel like. Right. Like, yeah, there's a scene where Vincent captures Chappie and uh, uses, like, a saw to saw off his arm, his mechanical yeah. arm, and Chappie's like, you could, he's saying, like, I'm scared, like, don't, why are you doing this? And uh, really makes you kind of feel for him because we can only imagine the pain we would feel but as a robot, does he have that same feeling of pain when his arm gets chopped off? Like there aren't nerves and um, right. to the same degree, but I guess he has the fear in his mind. And yeah, I think that's kind of a very interesting take on, on that. Man, I, I wonder how much variability there is between how different humans uh, experience different things. Like I know we can, we can measure that uh, like at a, biological level like what reactions are happening and and what processes are, are taking place but the the experience it's kind of like an intangible thing um it, it's similar to like the 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 old i'm 15 and this is deep question of like <laughs> is the blue that i see the same blue that you see totally yeah like we all for the most part um have the same senses that work to the same degree but yeah how those fire off specifically in our own mind um only we know what that experience is and yeah you can't actually compare but i i have um i have one thing to say mm -hmm. i'm excited for Chappie too you know why why well you hear me out right if Chappie in the three days of its life can go from an infant with no ability to to speak to like a really smart like smartest human level because at the end he also figures out how to like transfer consciousness so like you got to assume that he's pretty smart i want to know like in chappie 2 you know how incredibly advanced chappie's gonna be like a month later totally like um yeah he it's that singularity it's that um super intelligence level where if you can process things faster and have access to so much knowledge or so much information you hypothetically could 
advanced at such a rate yeah. that is beyond kind of human learning. And yeah, I guess I'll ask you a bit about that with how does AI learning differ and how is it the same as like human learning? Um, not necessarily in specifics, but uh, yeah. How does, why is it that you can get super intelligence from an AI? Oh man. Well, uh, I really wish I had studied up on my psychology and uh, AI classes, <laughs> but um, if I'm if I if I if I'm remembering, so I, I guess it's a tough question because AI, like like we said, we don't have general AI right now, so I don't know how that would work uh, at this point in time. Um, I think uh, what what is different right now is that AI, I believe, like it needs to be supervised or it needs to be uh, given um, the, the the set of training data to, to help it learn. And so there's still like this hands-on aspect to it where w at the end of the day, humans are the ones who are saying like, this is a good uh, outcome or this is a bad outcome, which helps it like continually learn. Um, and please don't come at me if that's uh, not, not <laughs> I correct. Mean, that sounds right. I, I was thinking like, yeah, has anyone made an AI that just is like free learns where... You just sort of, right. you don't really give it a set of data, but you allow it to pick what data it wants. Um, it, it is interesting because I, I guess like on the other side of that, for humans, um, is there is there a concept of you know free learning or like do we get all of our information from the world or do we? I, I mean, I guess there's some instinct, right? There is stuff that is sort of yeah. we just know without really knowing why. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, maybe AI has never been... Do they have instinct? Uh, you could say maybe like I, a root function Yeah, could be. Yeah, I would say like having a like a, a main function and also like constraints built into the system um, would be like the AI version of, of instinct. But yeah, um, I guess once you unleash it in whatever world it is, whether you've created a Twitter bot that's going to read tweets and then like create this persona of like... Didn't Microsoft do something like that? And then... Oh, yeah. Uh, Tay? Zay? Yeah. And it just becomes like it's very toxic. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, I, but I'm trying to think of like the physical differences in like how learning would take place. I know like um, with information processing for people, it's like a combination of, of bottom-up processes. So that's like taking the information from the world and forming like a model from that and top-down. So it's kind of like what you already know about the world and, and retrofitting that onto to what you're perceiving. Um, and so for an AI, I think there's probably some parallel that you could draw. Like you want to both be taking new information and also using past information to, to form a picture. But the way that it actually processes that data, I feel like would be a lot different because we have these very complicated brains of mushy neurons that, that talk to each other in like this 3D space. But for a machine, um, you know, it's it, it really boils down to zeros and ones. Um, and so it's like the data structures around that. Um, maybe they do kind of mimic uh, a neural network, and I'm sure they do in, in a lot of senses, but I think there's probably some, some more fundamental differences uh, between the two. Yeah, but I guess, yeah, that's what people are also trying to figure out, building these neural networks, hoping that we can maybe cross that gap to general intelligence or something that is at least able to learn on its own but. i guess that that kind of um brings me to a question about uh merging like the human and ai intelligence and i think this theme is present in the movie because uh, at the end of the movie um dion's like shot and so they actually transfer dion's human brain into another robot shell and then also they they transfer like chappy into another robot so there's all this brain swapping going on but it it kind of implies that there's like a one-to-one -one or a more or less a one-to-one -one relationship between the human mind and the AI mind in this movie. And, um, you know, whether that's that's science fiction or not, I'll, I, I'm not, I won't speak on. <laughs> but I think it's interesting because I think um, we get closer to that every day. I'm not saying that it's ever going to be like that one-to-one -one relationship. But, you know, we, we use our phones. Uh, we, we offload information. Um, onto our devices in our pockets. Um, we we get information from our phones. To an extent, you know, we already kind of have a, a partly partially digital mind. Right. And I love I love that too with like being excited for Chappie 2 where Dion, once he's in that 
chappy or in that robot body now his consciousness or his intelligence is unlimited to the same extent that chappy's is because he has access to that new new level of like information processing and so yeah just as we are i guess hypothetically smarter with our devices because we can store more information or we can get more information and process it faster um yeah we already have that link with with our machines and um, are already kind of very intertwined and linked with uh with them right yeah and i think you know Neuralink uh might might kind of break down those those hardware barriers (laughs) a little more in the future allow the transfer of information to happen faster uh to and from your your meaty brain exactly and yeah Neuralink's exciting i think exactly for that where yeah what what transfer speeds will we get with the with information how will it actually integrate with our mind and what does it feel like i guess to to have that access uh, that we don't currently have i'm extremely curious about the ramifications to society and like what societal structures will look like in this kind of uh society where we where we become like physically melded with uh with machine or uh or ai yeah because i guess if we are all if we have the potential to all be connected digitally, yeah, what does that mean for us as like individuals? Like, does yeah. that barrier get broken down? Yeah, why have an argument when you know you can both just look it up at the same time from the same <laughs> data source? Why even talk at all when you can just transfer information to and from each other? Right. Yeah, we become very much. We almost become more nodes into this greater consciousness, um, similar to kind of what I was saying before with. Uh, yeah, how humans can be seen as nodes if if we have that link uh, that breaks down those barriers. Does it lead us to to be even more more like that? I I wanted to ask you um what your opinion was on what like a a post general AI world would look like for us. Um, like we already talked about how AI already influences uh, us and our behavior today, but that's like you know uh, narrow AI. And so if or when general ai becomes a reality kind of what are the things that will change in our world and how we we live in it oh man now that's a deep question (laughs) (laughs) not just a 15 year old like this is deep (laughs) this is uh, deep (laughs) um yeah i maybe i mean we watch a lot of sci-fi here yeah there's a lot of maybe pessimism in that in that (laughs) uh question in terms of how we look forward because yeah if you think of a true artificial general intelligence what use does it have for for humans right can it work on its own so it really depends on its goals right yeah yeah it's like is it properly designed Uh, does it have like the same moral framework that we do Um, right it's it's funny because like when when we look in sci-fi a lot of the time when there's like these general ais the result is like physical oppression for humans but i think there's like a potential where we don't even notice like we're, we're just okay with everything and are complacent because this AI can be so advanced and so complex and so intelligent that it could control us. And this is like, <laughs> this is, you know, contra or um, conspiracy territory, but it's like, you know, AI theoretically could control the entire population of the human race without us even complaining or, or really knowing about it. I mean, yeah, I guess potentially if we're already, on our phones and stuff at the whim of algorithms like yeah if you had a truly true agi that was perhaps benevolent and didn't really want to affect us too much or didn't want to physically oppress us um, yeah. it could just control us in other ways that we wouldn't necessarily think about but that's one yeah on the other hand maybe the agi happens because of a link between humans and and technology and that would be, I guess, like the best case scenario where, yeah, if we're linked together, then we at least have some say in it. Yeah, yeah, that that's interesting. By th- by that point, are we even human anymore? Is that just like an evolutionary step in our in our species? I I mean, I guess so. Like, uh, we talk about how like how much humanity has really evolved in the past ten thousand years or so, and there really isn't much difference in what humans have done, however, technologically and socially there's been so much yeah. evolution so to speak and perhaps we've gone into this like yeah the post-human world would really be like a human um 
machine sort of hybrid or human technology hybrid. It's crazy. Yeah. So I do want to ask one last thing because we've talked about it a bit with uh, kind of talking more about death and consciousness because... Oh, ending on a a light note, I see. Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so uh, Chappie copies like Dion's consciousness and there's in the movie it does two things which I don't think they're potentially contradictory but he copies and like transfers Dion consciousness from Dion's body into a robotic body and when he does that like Dion dies or his body kind of collapses and the robot is then alive Um, and so in there we kind of get the sense that consciousness could actually be moved and it's like the same individual yep but then you have at the end we see that Chappie was able to copy his mother, like Yolandi's <laughs> consciousness, and he has that like stored on a USB, and they're able to like upload that to a robot. Yeah. Um, and so to me, that's sort of is contradictory, where like is consciousness sort of this state that you can copy, mm-hmm. and if the other person or the other individual dies, then you're essentially creating a new individual that is indiscernible to yeah to the original, versus. With Dion, we sort of have that assumption that, oh, no, consciousness is that it is the person and like they are being moved. Um, the, yeah. I guess like my question is when when Dion's consciousness is being moved, is that like supposed to be representing a move or is that the same as just copying his his biological brain and then pasting it as a technological brain? Well, to me, I see it as a copy paste. Like mm. um, you could yeah, copy it I, into any body, perhaps. I, I think the way that they're approaching it in the film is really, um, we, we mentioned this before, how it's kind of more about the, the output. Like it's the consciousness is a black box. And so really the only thing that matters is how it interacts with others in the world. Um, and I, I feel like that's kind of what they're going for. Because like you, you could technically um, create multiple copies of the same person and they would all be valid people. But um, it's not like there would be one one true one, right? Right. But so if I said I could cop, if I could transfer your consciousness into a robotic <laughs> body, would you let me or would you fear oh. sort of actually dying and then I, having just this copy of yourself live on? Right. I, I think um, I think I, I would I think I would die, you know, if um, if I got copied this this conversation always reminds me of Hugh Jackman's one of his best movies, The Prestige <laughs> and like being cloned mm-hmm. and um Really, I think it's once that that physical stream of consciousness is severed, I don't think it's kind of the end of the line for that that living thing. And even though on the other side, it uh, it feels like nothing's happened and you just changed minds. That's that's really kind of like the birth of a new consciousness. Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of trippy to think about because um, yeah, I think as humans, we have this fear of death. And so for me, anyway, if I picture it i'm like i don't know if i would want to do this um, well okay would this quell your fears right say that uh scientists came up to you and said hey we can transfer your mind into this machine you say whoa no i i don't want to i don't want to like die and have a copy and paste it but then he says well here's what we'll do we'll we'll copy one neuron and paste it into the machine (laughs) and then destroy it and we'll just do that one at a time until you're you're fully uh machine would you feel any any more uh <laughs> maybe willing to do that i think if if somehow like if we could get human computer interaction like a, a link that way where yeah we just sort of slowly merge which is kind of <laughs> what you're saying that, like, it is yeah it feels like that consciousness might stay continuous um <laughs> as opposed which is to, weird yeah. because the 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 beginning and ending state are the exact same in both scenarios right yeah and so it's like, what is it about that that continuity that makes it feel more like more like you? Because really, um, if if stream of consciousness is our only requirement for like being the same person, what does that mean for when you go to sleep and wake up? You know, are are you necessarily the same person? I mean, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I I think um, I think there is merit to that though because. We know that our cells, they, they die and, and we create new cells in our body. And we think of ourselves as like a single person um, as our body changes and, and refreshes itself. And that's a slow process. But, you know, if, if that were to happen all at the same time uh, and we got a new body uh, overnight, that might uh, not feel the same. 
Right. Yeah, I guess if only there was a way, and maybe we'll want to get there to measure like individual consciousness, um, then you could potentially say, yeah, you could potentially say that like this is going to be like the same person. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a continuous thing or whatever, but. I, I think the, the, pessif- the pessimist in me um, might suggest that consciousness is the emergent property of just the physical processes that go on. And so there's the concept of, of preserving consciousness is kind of counterintuitive because um, it's like you're trying to preserve uh, the, the measurement of a temperature as opposed to actually preserving the, the thing that's heated itself, if that makes any sense. Interesting. No, I like that. Yeah, I do like that. Um, yeah, consciousness is sort of a fluid state, and so trying to measure like a specific instant in that, like, what does that really mean? Like, okay, you captured that instant, but um, yeah, so, like that's not really the whole thing. Yeah. Right? So, oh, man, we should get the Nobel Prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, do they have a Nobel Prize for? Yeah, just conversations about deep subjects <laughs> i'm 15 and this is deep <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this year for the nobel prize and <laughs> in not that deep thoughts <laughs> well um you think that about wraps us up i mean i don't know how much deeper i could get into this <laughs> like we could go yeah, on forever I... but at the same time <laughs> yeah when do we start circling back on ourselves so i think we're good yeah, I, I think I have to go have an existential crisis for a couple hours. Uh, the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best. awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please share the show with your friends and follow us on social media. We're Psy-Fiction on Twitter and Psy-Fi on Facebook and Instagram. And we're also Psy-Fi at gmail.com where you can send us your suggestions for future episodes. Yeah, or if you want to just let us know what you thought, give us uh, yeah any tips or Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Uh, We're always open to feedback. So thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Christopher Stern. And I'm Nathan Yim. Hold on to your butts.